1: And welcome to Voices of Reason. I am Jason Lee. Now we're gonna turn this down way low because my voice is deep enough as it is. And uh, we're back today. And uh, Amy Donaldson sitting right over there. Hello. And we're gonna be talking healthcare versus insurance access, and a- yeah. access to those things. Uh, very different. H- how how the uh, the impact of those things. Uh, yeah.
0: As we've discussed before, sort of in just a much more superficial way, my biggest complaint about our discussions about healthcare um, are that most of the time, what we're talking about is access to insurance, not um, access to healthcare. And right. that to me, healthcare is a much different thing than being able to go to the doctor when you're sick. And so I feel like um, the discussion is on the wrong, we're focused on the wrong things, and um, we need to. Just realign that, and with that bad pun, I bring in my uh, good friend, who I call the voodoo doctor, uh, Dr. Josh Christensen.
1: Okay, uh, Dr. Josh, I'm not sure that I love the idea that you've called the voodoo doctor, but <laughs> you, you can fight with her about that in a second. So you're a doctor of chiropractic? Correct. Right. Yeah. And uh, where are you located? I'm in Farmington. Okay. So... Um, Yeah,
0: first, um, I I mean, the reason I call him the Voodoo Doctor is because it's difficult for me to explain some of the stuff he does, like the muscle activation, which has become more of a thing and people are more familiar with it. But um, so when I first went to him, I went, I was an amazing experience, and I went home and I was trying to explain to my husband, and he's like, "This sounds like some kind of voodoo." So that's how you got the name, the Voodoo Doctor. But um, but it's really um, to me, it addresses. Like things that are just issues of quality of life, right for me, like I run a lot, and uh, like I'd been having foot pain and um and so I went in and and uh, said, you know every time I get up and i could have, I could still run, I was still hiking, I was still doing everything, but I had to kind of push through some pretty significant stiffness and pain before I did it and um and then he figured it out and told me why, and fixed it, and it's just it, it just makes the quality of your life um just so much more vibrant when you can live as pain free as possible and and make decisions for yourself that allow you to have a healthier like just I just think you the more you can do the better life you have and you may not want to do those things that I do but but the fact that you can, right, and mm-hmm. you're not constantly – that it, that having a back back pain is not keeping you from doing that or whatever. Or knee so, pain
1: or joint pain, any yeah. of this stuff, Yeah, and so
0: anyway, when I first started to see Josh, and I think it was a volleyball coach who recommended – I had some shoulder pain. Basically, most of my adult life, I was in a car accident when I was in 22, and I separated my shoulder and broke my collarbone, mm-hmm. and the pain was just sort of off and on and kind of n- nagging. But as I aged, as all of you who are aging know um, – it just got um, more and more significant, and I stopped doing some things because of it. I was playing volleyball. I stopped playing volleyball because my shoulder would just ache really pretty significantly at certain times. And um, and and everybody I talked to, including doctors, said you can do some physical therapy, which is basically working out, <laughs> which I did. Um, but the bottom line was, like, you have this old injury. It's probably going to hurt. Take some Motrin if it's really bad. If it's not, just push through. And so... Um, I talked to a volleyball coach who was discussing shoulder pain and then she told me about Dr. Christensen and I was like, well, I have this pain. I'm going to go. And um, and funny because it wasn't like my life was really deteriorated. Some of the people you get probably are in really significant pain in bed. But um, it was so amazing to be pain-free after a few weeks that I just was like – telling everyone i was <laughs> testifying but here's the thing i have this great insurance through dmba and i am very, very grateful because i grew up with no insurance so that's my first that and mental health therapy were the first two things i ran into where i had insurance that i was paying for that i could not access because of the type of health care i wanted to pursue so i wanted to see a licensed clinical social worker when i needed mental health uh help and that was not covered under dmba um I could go to their therapist that they designated and I could that would be covered fifty percent. But if I went to the person that I felt was most able to help me with my issues, um I had to pay for it myself. And so that was my first encounter and then a couple years later, when I'm a little older, I had this issue with the chiropractic care. And so they were and I called D M B A and we had some discussion and again this is a few years ago, so It's not recent. Things have changed a little bit. And they are embracing, insurance companies are embracing what I would consider to be sort of non traditional, but I don't think it's non traditional. It's non traditional. Yeah, it's non traditional because the healthcare system decided it was non traditional, right? Like, who decides what is or isn't acceptable? I would say some of the things I've been asked to do by medical doctors, some of the prescriptions I've been given, the things I was told to do for a headache by a neurologist, I think that was the worst advice I got from a doctor that was paid for and recommended to me by my insurance company. And had I followed that instruction, I might very well be a, a victim of the opioid epidemic. I feel like that was the worst possible situation for me to be in. And the only reason I didn't go that route, frankly, was because I felt I had this things I wanted to do in my life that that would have impeded. So my issue, like the reason I really wanted to discuss this, and I dragged Dr. Christensen down here from Farmington for this, um is that I think there are issues of healthcare that you have insight as a provider right so you're a healthcare you your life's work is having helping people with issues of their health right so they come in with you deal with allergies and pain and, and all that stuff so just give us a little like bi- like biography like why did you get into this and sort of what what drew you to chiropractic
2: in about a minute and a half yeah all right. So when I was 11 years old, I thought it was just normal to get headaches about once a week, and you take uh, an over-the-counter medication, and it might go away. But then it comes back the next time. I thought it was normal to be sick on a regular basis, whether it was you know once a month to get a cold or the flu or an upset stomach a month. or something like that. It seemed like it, or maybe every other month. Kids as a get kid. sick
0: all the time, man. Yeah, I was yeah. sick
2: a lot as a kid. And, when I was younger, constant chronic ear infections, rounds and rounds of antibiotics, and just, again, thought that was normal life. And just, you know, you go to the medical doctor, you get a prescription, and you do that for yourself, your siblings, and your parents take you to do it. So I, I had headaches, and uh, when I was 12, I started receiving chiropractic care, and pretty much immediately those headaches went away never came back. Um, my family continued to get regular chiropractic care as I was growing up after that, and uh, we were all just so much healthier. I didn't get sick anymore. We also started to make some dietary changes and eat better. Um, But but it really shifted us from a model of uh, waiting until you have a sickness, taking a drug for that sickness, to just doing simple things, take care of your body, and then we didn't have all these problems in the first place. Mm -hmm. And I'm the oldest of uh, my siblings, and so my youngest uh, sister was so much healthier growing up than all the rest of us because of just living life in a, a different way. And uh, it really motivated me to want to do this, to help other people, to help them, to help their bodies to work properly so that not only they felt good, but they were preventing problems. And so as I got older and started to understand more about how the body worked and uh, specifically with chiropractic, how the nervous system controls the body and the spine is the house for the nervous system and the function of the spine it uh, impacts the function of the nervous system, and when you care for your nervous system through adjusting the spine, everything in the body works better and i'd experienced that, and I wanted to share that with other people
1: all right when we come back, we
2: 'll continue a little bit more
1: because we want to understand how that helps you know continue to have good health and also uh, kind of to amy 's point, uh, access having insurance makes that a big deal, but in in your case, uh, you don 't take insurance. So and, and other providers. And there's are, a reason are the same why. That's a, one that's of the things I would right. love him to discuss. And we will come back and discuss that right after this. You're listening to Voices of Reason.
2: Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul Airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than eighty thousand Afghans have since arrived in America but this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.
1: Welcome back to Voices of Reason. I'm Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson. Today, we're talking about... Uh, Access to insurance and access to health care uh, with uh, Dr. Josh Christensen. He's a doctor of chiropractic in Davis County, which is just north of Salt Lake for those people listening outside of Utah. And uh, we, Amy was explaining how she came to find him uh, because she had some health issues. And then you, Dr. Christensen, explained how you came to get into this uh, profession uh, can you talk a little bit about what's been your experience? How long have you been a chiropractor, for instance?
2: It's been since 2003.
1: Okay. So 16 years. Uh, and and what in terms of health care and, and being able to be a provider, uh, has that been a, a difficulty for you since you come from kind of a non-traditional uh, background uh, starting, in terms of your care?
2: Yes. Yeah. I mean, starting out, certainly it uh, was much more difficult uh, uh, to start out and, and grow a business and establish a patient base because uh, people don't really know what I do. And so it just took a while to get the word out of what I do and how I can help people. And once that got established, uh, you know, we we have plenty of patients to to be able to help with, but it certainly is much harder doing something non-traditional than if you're part of the system.
0: Well, and who made you non-traditional? like the healthcare or the insurance companies did right
2: well no actually the american medical association started a campaign in the 1950s they called their anti-quackery campaign where they illegally tried to destroy the profession of chiropractic and they lost an antitrust lawsuit in 1980 Because I mean, they were literally trying to illegally destroy their competition, and unfortunately, most people don't realize healthcare is a business. And unfortunately, a lot of what happens in healthcare is based on what's good for business, not necessarily what's based on what's good for people.
0: To that point, uh, how do insurance? How does having insurance? You know, private insurance companies inflate the price of healthcare.
2: Well, anytime you have a middleman for anything, it's going to cost more. If you had to go through a middleman to buy your groceries, it's going to cost twice as much. And unfortunately, with our healthcare system, where people are not paying for their services directly, it allows the doctor's offices or the hospitals to charge much, much higher than they would if people were paying out of pocket. And then, obviously, there's more of a cost just because you have to pay this middleman to handle all the fees. You know, for for example, I'll give a non-healthcare example. If I want to get a rock chip repaired in my car, it's going to cost $15 cash. But if I bill my insurance, they bill $180. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, And and that is – okay, so I go to your office and I can ask you how much does – this service, this service, this service cost. You tell me, and you give, gave me a breakdown. My first appointment, you said, this is going to be the breakdown. This is what you're going to pay for. And I could figure out how to pay for that. Like, I was like, okay, I'll come once every other week. Or uh, I think at the time when I was pretty ambitious, <laughs> I was like, I'll come every week. Um, but, uh, but you can figure it out based on what it's cost. When I was trying to get a mammogram through my insurance company, I, was, I never did. I could not tell you to this day what that mammogram cost because uh when i called uh the healthcare provider that the insurance company said i could use they said we can't tell you and what the reason i wanted to know is because i have a high deductible and i wanted to know was i going to have to basically pay the whole thing um and it was december and i was like i want to save all my money for how christmas how can they say
1: they they can't tell you i don't know they understand.
0: would not tell me
1: why well, do they charge my, you
2: money and I tell you? you can't, what, what profession try, is that? Try calling. Well, because there's, yeah. you a bill. There's, there's different fees Because there's fees different prices for, for different people. And different insurance companies, depending on who your insurance is. And, and it's ridiculous that, uh, again, there's not a set fee. And, and, again, the hospital or the doctor's office is going to charge as much as they possibly can and inflate their fees mm-hmm. because they know the insurance is going to cut their fee by a certain percent. So if they're going to cut the bill by 40 percent, then you jack up your price another 40 to, percent to make up for that. Yeah. Well, but I had the same experience because I am self-employed, so I have my own personal insurance. And when we would call up, you know, to take our kids somewhere, yeah, they couldn't tell us what they would pay. This Well, this is the code we use, but they have no idea what they even charge or what they would bill. Yeah. So in, in doing that, I mean, how, how does that impact
1: your ability to fairly discern how who to, uh, who you should go to for your care and what kind of care should you expect? Because, I mean, essentially, if, if we're not knowing how much it's costing, because And what's funny to me is, as the patient, you're the most important person in this equation, right? But you know the least amount about what's going on. So somebody else is charging you money. Somebody else is going to pay part of that, and then you just left to pay whatever's left. And then they don't even tell you exactly how they come to what formula they use to come to the amount that you end up paying.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm not an economist, but my understanding of basic economics is that when there's competition. It uh, makes prices go down and quality goes up. And so if you're a consumer of health care and you can't shop around because you don't know what people charge and you don't know what it's going to cost you, then you can't make an informed decision to get the best service at the best price with the best doctor.
0: And I think even more importantly, our current system of having health insurance uh, doesn't doesn't encourage you to shop around right so you see it almost as like a i i paid for this this is my get out of jail free card my get out of sickness free card and you take that insurance and you wield it like but i have insurance so of course i want to run these tests and of course i want to do this and all of this jacks up the costs um and doesn't do anything for 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 you and your health, right? Um, one of the things that I uh, loved about starting to work with you was I started thinking about healthcare from the prevention versus um, treatment, like early detection. So, so, there, so I always thought of prevention as like you you get a sore throat and you go in and you get you you catch it at the beginning, right? Um, I I got shingles. I I I went straight into the doctor, um, and and luckily I I only knew that because my mother in law had a really bad. Case of it. And I said, he said, I think this is the earliest I've ever seen somebody come in with a case of shingles. And I um, said, uh, when I was talking to my husband, that's what I thought of as preventative care. And then I was talking to someone in your office, and I really had a moment of like, ah, prevention is like, I'm never going to get this. I'm not going to get sick. And that's not something that I think normal conversation you have with a doctor. It's, it's usually d- disease issues.
1: So, and, and to me, I think we don't spend enough time working on preventative care. So I've been going to chiropractor, I don't know, 15 years probably. And uh, I, to me, what I always felt like, it helped me not be a pain all the time because you just get so used to being tight and just, you know, stuff is just not right with you that um, you it's it's kind of your normal. It's, it's like you talked about, you know, you, you thought every month everybody gets sick. Well, that's kind of how it is. But I, I find that as I treat myself, better in my care, uh making sure uh my body uh is and, and I'm I'm a guy who does a lot of physical activity, uh is in the best shape it can be, not just from nutrition and stuff like that, but in, in terms of being aligned because if you ever wake up when you you know your body just feels terrible and you can't turn or do something, you say to yourself, What could I do to make that feel better? And the best thing I ever did was go to my chiropractor. It's it, it literally it changed my life. And I um I have to You have to keep going so that, you know, you keep having that benefit, but people don't always know about that.
2: Well, there's a big difference between care and treatment. Care is taking care of your body, and then you usually don't have a bunch of health problems. Treatment is when you have a problem and you decide what's the appropriate treatment for this problem. And unfortunately, we have a health treatment system. We don't have a health care system. Right? You don't go to a hospital so they can help you to be well. You go when you have a problem. And that confusion is a big part of the reason why we have a health care crisis. We need people to care for their bodies, to take care of themselves so they don't have to go in for treatment.
1: When we come back, I want to talk a bit, a bit more about that, about how we can work toward uh, care as a, a way to maintain health rather than treatment as a way to kind of rectify something that's gone bad for you. You're listening to Voices of Reason. We are back with Voices of Reason. I'm Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson. And we're also sitting today with Dr. Josh Christensen. He is a doctor of chiropractic uh, just north of Salt Lake in a town called Farmington, Utah, Davis County. And uh, we're talking about access to health care compared to access to insurance yes. and how those things impact each other. And, uh, you know, uh, as we left, uh, Dr. Christensen, and we were talking about how if, if we could have a better system of treatment, I mean, not treatment, but uh, prevention, then we could help avoid some of the treatment issues we get, which is then mm-hmm. cost us way more money. And and people are in much poorer health uh, as, a, as a, uh, the, way, the way we treat health care now. How do we go about kind of changing that dynamic so that we can maybe move more toward prevention rather than treatment?
2: Well, I think there's two aspects to it. I think it comes down to education and uh, motivation so if patients people are educated and they know how to take care of their bodies that's the first step the second step is motivation because i think most people know that if they eat good if they exercise if they get enough sleep if they're not super stressed out they're going to be healthier than if they don't do those things and so as we address those two issues and people take care of themselves then we prevent a whole bunch of health care problems and treatment. And it uh, not only is going to be good for people, but it, that saves billions and billions and billions of dollars in the health care system if we can prevent problems.
0: Um, one thing, I, I think insurance has – and I lived without it, and I have had it for most of my adult life. Um, and I feel like it gave me a false sense of security at times where I felt like I was getting a good deal because – They were discounting these really inflated prices, so I would say, "Oh my gosh!" Oh, I I think I mentioned this. Daphne's uh, first open heart surgery was seventy five thousand dollars. They send you this book like thing that has all the charges in it, and you're going through it, going, "What? It? You know, that cost fifty dollars? You know, for a bedpan? You know, you, you know these are inflated prices. You're almost laughing about it, right? And then I felt very lucky because I had this insurance. Um, program that capped a catas- considered that a catastrophic event and capped it at twelve hundred dollars. So I had to pay twelve hundred dollars for open heart surgery, and I just ca- and that that really made me aware. And that was twenty years ago. P- everyone needs insurance. Everyone needs insurance. Everyone needs insurance. And it really wasn't until I started to figure out and talk to people who were not in favor of everyone having insurance that I started to think about what am I what do I really want people to have? Like right, I really want them to have the ability to access the healthcare system. So it just shouldn't bankrupt you to have a surgery or to have a baby. I mean, that, my sister just had a baby and it cost $12,000, which is insane to me, right? Um, but uh, but that, that somebody, I mean, I averaged when Daphne was, before she had her last surgery uh, in, at 15 years old, I averaged 10 to $12,000 just for her healthcare. And that was with insurance. And so it just made me rethink, like when I'd go to get prescriptions, it says I'm paying $18 or $20 for a $180 prescription, so I felt like I was getting this ama- amazing deal. But what what did it really cost? And was that just a false sense of security? And what would happen if I could make the decisions for myself. If I could pick the healthcare providers that I wanted to go to and pay them, we could negotiate the price that we felt was fair, or they could tell me what their price is and I could say, "Well, I'm going to call a different chiropractor and see what they charge for this service," right? But we can't do that, right? Cuz we are so stuck in this idea that the insurance is the box in which we have to make the decisions.
1: And they don't tell you how much stuff costs cuz I'm gonna tell you something. I mean, as open heart surgery, seventy five thousand. Having a heart attack is over fifty thousand. <laughs> uh, and I was there, a total of uh, th- that whole. The biggest part of that uh, expense, was, well, I shouldn't say the biggest part, uh, a significant part, was just having the, the thing. It was less than three hours. So, in less than three hours, I've you know gone up you know tens of thousands of dollars. And then they put you in a room that you have no like. They don't ask you where to, where to put you. Yeah. So after I had my heart attack, I. The way I'm talking to you now is how I felt. Literally, this is not. am not. This is not hyperbole. All right. So, instead of making, letting me stay in a regular room, they put me in a cardiac ICU room, which is essentially the same room, just really expensive. All right. Yeah. So, they and they tell you they got to do that for 48 hours. I don't get a choice in that matter. Yeah. They, they put you in the room, and then they and and, and so then, I that's what always, I mean.
0: Somebody else is right, making somebody your Somebody else decisions. is making
1: all these decisions. Yeah. And so. To, to, to your point, though, is that we don't get a chance. And you're asking someone to make these choices many times in the most vulnerable times in their lives. And, 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 and it's oftentimes kind of emergent or, or urgent care. So you probably don't have time to think. But yet then you're expected to be responsible for all the things that somebody else, all the decisions somebody else made for you, supposedly in your best interest, without having you other than... Threatening you, saying you got to sign this right now, otherwise we can't treat you. To me, that's a flawed system in any number of ways. And w- what I'm really surprised is that some lawmaker in the world who has had to have a similar circumstance to what we just talked about hasn't decided, hey, I want to talk to all my other lawmaker friends and say, look, we got to figure out some way to make this uh, fairer to the patient. And uh, and I don't, I don't want uh, healthcare people to work for free, certainly not. But I also don't want to pay. Uh, Seven dollars for an aspirin, when you can buy a, a year's worth at Costco for four dollars. So th- there's got to be some way to to kind of to, uh, to balance that. Your thoughts, sir?
2: Well, I, I think first, just what hospitals charge needs to be standardized. Uh, for that institution, in other words, they can't have a different price for every different insurance company or every different person. There should be one price for one service. If you do that at a certain clinic or a certain hospital, and then it should be transparent what that price is. It doesn't need to be secret or hidden. I think that's the first step.
0: And so their argument against this has always been it's proprietary, and I don't understand why they get away with that when no other industry does, right? Like, liken it to car insurance. You made that analogy. Like, what? How would it work if? Our health insurance m- mirrored what happens with car insurance.
2: Well, it, it would make our car insurance premiums go sky high. If you used your car insurance to get new tires, change your oil, and wash your car, then your car insurance uh, would, would be astronomical. But because car insurance only pays for catastrophes, it only pays for accidents, your car insurance is very low, and then it's up to you to maintain your car, which motivates you to take care of it. I mean, mm-hmm. if car insurance paid for New engines, then what's the motivation to get your oil changed every three thousand miles? You have to take care of it yourself, and so some way, if health insurance were more similar to car insurance, where people had to take money out of their own pockets to take care of themselves, I think that would provide the motivation for people to do just that.
1: So we only got like a minute to go, but so I I love that idea that it because you you would end up paying a lot less because you would work harder at trying to keep yourself at uh, the the optimal health level, and, and healthier by eating, by uh, going to have uh, your annual checkup, which there's some people who literally don't go to doctors for years at a time, even though they have insurance, which to me, I'm like, why wouldn't you just go okay, once guilty. a year? I'm guilty of that. So why, why do you not go once a year? And um, you, who are because like I en- health lady. Yeah,
0: because I enjoy basically good health, and I have... Um, you know, I, I think having basically good health makes you kind of rely on that. It's like having a good car, right? You might stretch it to 5,000 miles. <laughs> really? I don't know. But no, but I don't know that I find the yearly checkup with my doctor helpful. I find... Um,
1: I, you would if you found something wrong.
0: Yeah, but I feel like it's a scam. I feel like it's a way to get me to run a bunch of tests that I don't need to run and I don't like it i i if there if we could shift this to what you're talking about which is health care where i could gain education all the education that i have earned about health has come outside of the medical system
1: okay i want before you keep going because i don't want to okay. run this too long right. when we come back i want to talk to you and tell you why what you just said is way out of whack okay. uh you're listening to voices okay. of reason with Voices of Reason. I'm Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson. And today we're speaking with Dr. Josh Christensen. He's a doctor of chiropractic in uh, just north of Salt Lake in Farmington, Utah. And um, before we go... <laughs> I blew uh, your mind. <laughs> we, they've, they've blown my mind. Both of them have said something offline that we, we had to stop so that we could say it so you, get, you guys could hear it. Okay. I am one who believes in preventative maintenance. And that is to say, I get my oil change whenever... The light comes on. It says it's time to change my oil. I would not. I wouldn't ignore it. Yeah. And and I I don't think that there's. And if it didn't do it, I would still go every five thousand miles. Yeah. Because I just know that's that's going to help the the how it runs my car. Before I let you get in here, Amy, I am a person who this before I had a heart attack, I uh I still thought it doesn't hurt just to see if you know you're I mean as a guy you got your prostate health, you got all this stuff once a year. Having, you know, uh, the discussion with your doctor to see how you feel and, you know, what's going on with you. I, I just think to myself, that seems like a reasonable idea. However, I have heard from both of you, who I, up until now I thought you guys were of, of <laughs> some logic and reasoning, that, uh, I am that's, that logical that's a scam. No. A word that both of them use, by the way. Let, so
0: let me Let me say away. why it's a scam for me. I go into the doctor's office and they want to run blood tests and do all these things and ultrasounds. And I look at what that... Ends up costing right because the insurance tells you what they build and, and and that's the only way I see prices what they build my insurance and what I'm supposed what, what they what they overbuild what's getting written off and then what I'm supposed to pay and I have had these tests I'm 51 years old religiously pretty much I, I, there are times where I've said I'm not going because I'm of pretty good health this whole idea of when we had when before the ACA we had to have primary doctors. Total scam. I had to ask my primary doctor, could I go to my OBGYN? And in order to ask that question, he made me come in and have an office visit where he would say to me, You should do these other tests to make sure you're good. And I just feel like that. I know myself. I am eating good. I am exercising. I am doing research on what makes me more healthy. I feel like I'm the best judge of that. Not to say that I don't want to discuss something with a medical professional, but insurance makes that impossible. Now it's your turn, Dr. Josh.
2: Well, I had just mentioned that uh, I did not take my children in for well visit checkups with a pediatrician growing up uh, because I didn't think there was anything a pediatrician could do to help my children to be well. So if they were healthy, I don't think
1: they they, were, uh, they call it well visit, but don't they really try to see if just in case something goes wrong, so that you could talk to them instead and, sure. and of waiting till the okay. So we, we we started out this show talking about how d- we don't want to do treatment after the stuff has already happened. Yeah, we want to try to find out or, or catch it early proactive so that we can be proactive. Reactive. That's right. Yeah, it sounds like to me that you guys are now kind of going backwards, saying that at least for yourselves and in no. the case of Dr. John's first kids, that you're going to wait till to react.
0: No, you're equating. <laughs> Visiting a doctor with health care and I'm not. I don't see it that way. Mm. To me, visiting a doctor is reactive. When I go to the doctor, I am reacting to something that's going wrong with my body.
1: But that's what he talked about. You don't do don't do that. Exact
0: but that but I, I don't the doctor has never helped me with prevention. Never. The prevention has come from outside of okay, the so, lines. But,
1: but, okay, don't you see? Let hip- him finish about the well-child. But thing, the though. hypocrisy thing is what I'm saying here. You you just no. said you 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 want to wait till something bad happens, which is what we're trying to prevent. To, no,
2: to let, do anyway. let
0: him finish the well-child thing, and then we can.
2: Well, in my case, is a little different because I'm more educated in health than the average person, and so I'm I'm not at all speaking against checking in with a medical doctor and running a battery of tests periodically to look for serious diseases and catch them early, which, again, early detection is not prevention. And so with my children, I, there there wasn't anything a pediatrician could do to help my children be well. And so me taking them in to have them weighed and measured and maybe listen to their heart, after we've already done that a few times, I, there wasn't a need in my opinion, to do that because if their heart was okay when they were born and their lungs were okay when they were born and there's no absolutely no sign or symptoms that they have a problem, I didn't see a purpose of going in every year to get them weighed and measured and you know pay for that out of my pocket because my insurance doesn't because it's not going to help my children be well. My children being well is going to come from me helping them eat good, uh, having them exercise, getting enough sleep at night, providing a loving home environment, having them take their vitamins—those kinds of things are going to help my children be well. And simply taking them in every year because it's been formalized in our society to get weighed and measured and see if they're where they're at in the growth chart. Uh, that doesn't necessarily help my children to be well.
0: But you made an important point, and that is that you know more than the average person. And I do think that there, if if those well visits or if my yearly checkup contain... Like, I love going to my OBGYN for my annual visits. I never miss those because there is an educational component to it. They tell me things that will help me not get sick. Will prevent uh, issues with aging. Issues with when I was premenopausal. What to expect? I learned things from those visits. I will say though that I went to a number of general practitioners, and I felt like all that was was a way for my insurance company to like keep a tab on me and, and make money. I didn't feel like it was actually adding to the quality of my life and the and the and enhancing my health it wasn't it didn't they ran all kinds of tests especially when i hit certain ages even if i had no symptoms no problems no issues well but you're 35 we're gonna do this test and i just think that's insane i don't i don't think that's healthcare. and i that's my issue is that we have a delivery system that's been corrupted by insurance companies and so until we rectify that I feel like it's always going to be like, is this the insurance company making this decision? Is this my doctor making the decision? Is this me making the decision? Like you have to sort of sift through what's the motivation between by sending you to that room. Is that for your best? Is that the best plan for you? Or is that just some standard that they've adhered to because they got sued and the insurance company requires it mm. or da, 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 because of risk management.
1: So we only got a couple minutes left. So I, uh, Perfect world. Dr. What in a perfect world, what would be the best way to deliver health care in, in a uh, more efficient fashion?
2: Well, I think the best way would be, first of all, again, for people to take care of their health themselves, that they need to be responsible. There's no insurance policy. There's no government program that can make you healthy. You can become healthy based on the choices that you make. That far outweighs anything else. It's the choices you make on a daily basis. And so until people take personal responsibility for their own lives, their own health, it's not going to change. And, yes, we should have every single person have access to crisis treatment and intervention when they need it. They should have some sort of a health insurance program that, or policy that provides that, uh, but we need people to take responsibility for themselves and eat good, exercise, sleep good, not be too stressed out. And if you do those things, you prevent the vast majority of problems, and that is what's going to turn out our health care system, not giving people more drugs and more surgery with insurance coverage. I'm going to let you have the last so, word.
0: So for me, it's, it's really just a complete revamping. I think the number one thing you have to do is have transparency. I need to know what things cost. I need to know why you're recommending a test. I need to know what that test is going to show and what that means to my overall health or a treatment for an issue that I'm having. Um, I feel like even just trying to figure out what symptoms are, like sometimes it can be more than one thing. Um, I, I, I'll give you this example. I thought I was having a heart attack. I was just writing on my computer and I suddenly couldn't take a deep breath and I had a shooting pain down my arm and I thought, I think I'm having a heart attack. And so of course I go to the emergency room, they do x-rays, they do MRI, they send me to my doctor. He does some more tests. He sends me somewhere else to get a different test. And I don't know how many thousands of dollars I spent. And they were like, it went, ranged from heart attack to punctured lung to all the stuff. And it was not, it was none of those things. Uh, and until somebody said, maybe you should see a chiropractor, I didn't think of Dr. Josh, which was a huge mistake because had I gone to him first, it was two dislocated ribs. But I didn't know that. And that's where I – that's really – those those kind of moments have been where I've thought, we're just doing this wrong. Like the insurance company's making the call. You know, you're worried about the government doing it if we have Medicaid or Medicare for all. Um, and I'm saying somebody else is already making that decision for you. I didn't – I wasn't – I wasn't the one making the decisions about what tests or how it would go. I had no – I didn't – they didn't even explain to me the range of options I had. I just had insurance, so I'm here for the tests. And I think that personal accountability and personal responsibility will not come until there's transparency and, and accountability for us and for our healthcare providers.
1: I always say uh, eat well, do the best you can, and try to – if I I still believe in going to see the doctor once a year, but (laughs) that's just Jason, you know, because it it helps me.
0: I do it. I'm just saying it's not what you think it is. It's not a magic bullet.
1: Absolutely. It's it's part of an entire plan. But uh, we're going to talk some more on on another time. Join us again for the next episode of the Voices of Reason podcast, the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason podcast. If you have any comments about our show, please contact us via email at vorabd at gmail.com or at vorjasonl at gmail. You can also find us on Twitter at adonsports and at jasonlee1. Our show's Twitter handle is at vorpodcast. And you can find us on Facebook, and you can also find episodes of our podcast any place where you find podcasts and interesting content. Until next time, I'm Jason Lee. When you engage in passionate debate, do your best to keep your dialogue civil. Try to be the voice of reason.
2: Voices of Reason is a production of the Loudmouth Project.